Good evening. Happy Lord's Day. Just to give you context on what Isaiah is saying, he's saying once upon a time there is God who was crucified. He'll come back. That's what he's saying. Let's turn to your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to be hunkering down in verses 9 and 10. Just two verses. If you're a guest here, my name is Peter. I'm one of the members here, one of the four pastors. Happy to be here to deliver God's word. That's Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Hear then the word of the living God. And he replied, Go, say to these people, Keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of these people dull. Deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their minds. Turn back and be healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're thankful that we get to hear your word. Help us to recognize the significance of what is actually happening right now at this moment as the words of our living God is being expounded, explained, and applied. May we hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you, and may we pay utmost attention to the prophet's word, to see the reality of this world, and to be healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What moments do you consider significant in your weekly schedule? Is it working towards your career goals? Watching Netflix after a hard day at work? Spending quality time with your bio family? Or even better yet, spending time with your church family? What a good answer. For me, for a godly person like me, the most significant moment in my weekly schedule starts at 8 p.m. when my kids go down. <laughs> at least that's how I feel. Ah, the day is finally over. And it's like over, over. They're like really down. I don't have to go back in there. That's how I feel often. That feels honestly like the most significant moment for me in my weekly schedule, if I'm being honest. And as I was thinking through that, I was rebuked. Because I'm not seizing the significance of the moment that is happening right before my eyes. Because, you know, when you're in the moment, you don't really realize the significance of that moment. It's just another moment that is passing by. Remember when you were kids? you remember significant memories. But yet, when you were in the moment, 
You didn't realize the significance of it. But when you look back, you, you realize it. I'm reminded to recognize the significance of seemingly mundane moments with my kids. I'm on a paternity leave for 16 weeks. Yeah. Someone said this is a paternity leave because my name is Peter. But honestly, spending a lot of time with my kids, it seems mundane. It seems insignificant time to time. And doesn't that kind of capture how we feel about coming to the gatherings time to time? Doesn't coming to the gatherings and hearing the word of God seem mundane and insignificant time to time? I can be doing better things. I can rest. The Lord's Day, such as today, when it's packed with schedule, it seems it can feel draining. And the things that we do can seem insignificant. But as we look at the text today, we're going to find out the significance of hearing God's word. If you're taking notes, the main goal of today's text is pay utmost attention to the prophet's word. Pay utmost attention to the prophet's word. Two reasons why. First reason, to see the reality of this world to see the reality of this world. Second, to be healed. So, to see the reality of the world that we live in currently right now, right before our eyes, we must pay utmost attention to the prophet's word. You know, people diagnosed with delusional disorder can't tell what's real from what's imagined. They have a difficult time living in reality because their vision of reality is blurred. If you know me, you know that I love movies. I've watched, uh, I've watched Inception maybe 10 plus times. In the movie, Cobb's wife, Mal, is disillusioned. She believes that the reality that she is living in is fake. It's false. So what must she do to wake herself up to see the actual reality? To kill herself. That's how she wakes up. That's how she returns back to reality. So tragically, that's what happens. She kills herself, thinking that the reality that she's living in currently is not real. Seeing reality and living in light of reality are essential to life. And to see the reality of the world that we live in right now, we have to pay attention. We have to pay utmost attention to the prophet's word. In the text today, if you can look down at verse 9, 
it says, hey, and he replied, go say to these people, Isaiah is sent to the rebellious and hard-hearted people of God. And he's sent to say these words, keep listening, but don't understand. Keep looking, but don't perceive. They're listening, but not understanding. They're looking, but not really getting it. What do they not understand? What do they not perceive? They don't understand and perceive the reality. God is constantly, continually speaking to them, giving them even signs, giving them prophets after prophets to help them see the reality. And what is that reality? That God is king. That they ought to and they, that they must serve that king. What is that reality? It's that sin without judgment is a lie. Sin without judgment is a lie. People of God believed that they can live without consequences. You can ask my kids. They live with consequences. It's that God has chosen them because God has chosen them that he would look the other way. That's what they believed, that they can get away with sin. They didn't understand that they would be judged, that sin will find them out. It's kind of like Proverbs 1, when wisdom calls out in the street. Wisdom makes her voice heard in the public square. Behold, behold, wisdom. I am wisdom. Hear ye, hear ye. You will find life if you listen to my voice. Wisdom is constantly calling, calling out in the public with clarity, with repetition. Are you hearing it? Do you hear the wisdom calling out in the public squares with a loud voice, with repetition, with clarity? But no one pays attention. No one heeds the loud voice of wisdom. See, the people of God didn't see and they didn't understand the reality of this world. God has made the reality of this universe. Following that God, the only God of the universe, equates to flourishing and joy. Listening to that God the only God, the creator of the universe, equates to listening to someone who's got all the answers. And he's got all the answers. He has all the answers to life's happiness and fulfillment. It's like when I got married with Anna, and we were married for maybe two years, my respect for those who's been married for 30 plus years has grown tremendously. And I would approach them, even strangers, and I would ask, how do you do it? I would ask, give me some tips. This is my second year. But our God has much more, infinite more wisdom. He's got answers 
to everything. Don't you want to approach him and ask him and sit down in front of him and listen to him? Do you understand and perceive the reality that God has created? And that reality is that we all belong to his story. God's story from Genesis to Revelation. We belong in that story. We ought to make that biblical story the story we live by. We have to see the, the reality that we see in, in the lens of the scriptures. The story of the scriptures. Our current lives are not lives inside the garden, but outside the garden. We live in an age where things are not as it ought to be. Everything broken and distorted by the first man, Adam. Which points to the second man, whose name is Christ. Who came as the wisdom taking the sins of this world by becoming a curse for us on the cross. That Savior, a friend for sinners, rose from death, victoriously conquering sin, death, and our enemy, Satan. And he is now seated at the right hand of our Father. He shall return. That king shall return. That king shall return. That's the story that we belong to. We are citizens of his kingdom, awaiting for our king to finally return and set things right. That's the story by which we, le- we live. Friends, If you don't consider yourself a Christian here, and if you have never repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, this is the grace of God at this moment calling you to repent. Calling you to dethrone yourself and enthrone Jesus as the rightful king of your life. I assure you, with my brothers and sisters of BBC members here, that he shall return. And when he returns, he will set apart the sheep from the goat, the righteous from the wicked. So repent from your sins and trust in Christ. BBC family, an application for you is this. Come hungry. Whenever you come to the gatherings, come hungry. I mean, maybe physically as well. Hopefully we can feast on real f- or food, like physical food in the future. But come hungry to feast on God's word. Do you realize that the disposition by which you come to the gathering really changes what you receive from the gathering? I mean, think about a moment when you had a tough week and you're needing encouragement, and you're coming to the gathering hungry. Hungry for encouragement from other brothers and sisters, and hungry for God's word. Do you, do you remember those moments? 
we went filled. Filled by God's word. Our perspective was a bit different coming to the gathering. That's an application for us. Come to the gathering hungry for God's word and to feast on God's word. So pray as you drive here, as you walk over here, that God would make you hungry if you're not hungry. That God would help you to feast on God's word. Skipping over to verse 10, when we look at verse 10, we can quickly realize that it's not Isaiah who hardens God's people. Because verse 9 says, God replied, go, say to these people, that's a command given to Isaiah, what shall he say? Keep listening but don't understand. Keep seeing but don't perceive. And the quotation mark ends there. And verse 10 is God commanding Isaiah. Make the minds of these people dull. But can man, a mere man, make another man, that man's mind dull? No, it's not Isaiah, or sort of, but it's not exactly Isaiah who can harden God's people, but it's the word of God that hardens the people of God. Or not the people of God, but the people who are hearing the word of God. So when the word is being preached, Something is changing at that moment. There's not a moment when the word of God is being preached, nothing changes. Something is always changing. Do you realize that? That even as I'm preaching, something in you is changing right there and then? You can't leave the gatherings and you can't leave hearing the word of God neutral. It's one or the other. You are being softened towards God or you are being hardened away from God. You are growing closer to God or you are growing colder, far away from God. That's the two outcome of hearing the word of God. Something is always changing as you hear the word of God. The truth of the matter is this. God hardens some through the word by his perfect and good will and good plans. Meanwhile, God softens some by the same perfect and good plans. But the condition of every soul in this room and outside this room is same, or was same, incurably diseased. Do you feel the diseasedness of your soul? We feel it stronger at times and weaker at times. But as Christians, we certainly feel it. There's no way we don't feel it. We feel it while those who aren't Christians don't feel it. They don't feel the disease, the, their soul's disease. They don't feel it, but Christians do. That's why we've become Christians. Because God has opened our eyes to recognize that we need a great physician. But the good news is that great physician actually didn't just heal us of our disease. He took our disease away so that we might be healed. 
First Peter chapter 2, verses 25, 22 to 25 says, says this. You don't have to turn there, you can just listen. Jesus did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was ex- insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. By the wounds of Jesus, we have been healed. God wounded Jesus, killed Jesus on the cross. Jesus was cursed on the cross so that we might not be cursed, so that we might be healed. So brothers and sisters and friends, pay utmost attention to the word, to the prophet's word whenever it's read. In your private devotion, when you come to the gatherings, when you read God's word and open it up with your friends and family, and even church family on a weekly basis when we're scattered, because something powerful is happening right there and then. That, is, that should be one of the most significant moments of our weekly schedule. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for giving us the word, the written word and the incarnate word. Through Jesus, we have been saved. By his wounds, we have been healed. And now you have given us the written word of God so that you might encourage us, edify us, help us to walk in light of reality, to see the world in light of the story of the Bible. Now help us to heed your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.